All right, what's going on, everybody? We've got a special episode for you today. It's one I've been just super excited about for a long time now. We've got Ben Garrett joining us today. Ben is the co-host of my actual favorite podcast in maybe the last year or so called The Haunted Cosmos. And I've listened to every episode and I've really wanted to get one of these guys on uh, to talk about this show and what they're doing. And uh, Ben was gracious enough to want to come on and chat about all this stuff. It's a little bit different than any show we've done before in terms of what we're talking about and I love it. It's it's some of my favorite stuff to dive into um, as a Christian with having uh, all of these strange, supernatural, just crazy, you know, almost mytho mythological stories that have happened all throughout history and how do we explain them? And that's the whole point of what this podcast, The Haunted Cosmos, is about. And their their tagline for the whole thing is, the world is not just stuff. And it's just so good. So I was really happy to have Ben on and talk about um, all the things that he grew up with that led him down this path of wanting to search out a lot of these things. And then some of the stories that they've told on the show, uh, some of the things that have gotten a lot deeper and darker than, than he was expecting. There's just some really cool and fun and enlightening conversation. Uh, that we got to have and I was really excited for this one today. So I, I know you guys are going to enjoy it. Please go check out the Haunted Cosmos podcast and follow Ben and his co-host Brian Sauvet. Um, they're on all the socials. I'll have the links in the in the notes below. And if you're just listening to the pod, they'll be in the show notes. But uh, that it, I was just really excited for this one. So please in, enjoy this one because I know it's a little different than a lot of than a lot of the episodes that we're doing. So um, it was one of my favorite ones in a long time. So before we get into the episode, I wanted to say thank you to the partners and the sponsors of the show, uh, Steady Grounds Coffee Co., right here on the hat. Um, George and C.T. Adams running this small batch roasting. It's made to roasted to order every time you order a bag. Uh, we have the Nomad Dark Roast out. That is the show special blend that we designed and, and made just for the people that listen. You know, everybody can buy it, but we, we wanted to do something special for the people that listen and support the show. So go get the Nomad Dark Roast. It's awesome. If you use the code NOMAD15, you can actually also save a little bit on the back end when you go to purchase a bag or two. They also have subscription options that save you some money if you just get bags delivered every month on an automatic thing. Uh, but go check it out. It's awesome. It's literally the best coffee I've had. I wouldn't be putting my name and stuff on it if it wasn't. So go check them out. And then finally, thank you to Drew Kohlhofer and family at Selway Archery. They make the awesome quiver that you see that if you follow it on Instagram or anything else where I've posted videos of me shooting my, my recurve, the, the quiver that's on the side, it's a rawhide quiver that was made by Drew and uh, engraved with the Nomad Strength logo on it. They do awesome aw awesome stuff, make awesome products and uh, go check them out, selwayarcheryproducts.com. So without further ado, let's get into the strangeness, folks. Haunted Cosmos with Ben Garrett. Welcome back to the Nomad Strength Show. Uh, we have, I, I don't want to say different type of show, because if you know me, then this isn't surprising that we're going to have a show completely dedicated to wild, unhinged stuff. But uh, we're going to have on the show today, uh, Ben Garrett. And Ben is one of the co-hosts of 
arguably my favorite podcast of the last like year, I would say, since you guys have since you guys have released it. Um, Haunted Cosmos. And if you do know me, then that makes a lot more sense. Because I'm a, I love the the wild stories of unhinged conspiracies and and monsters and ghosts and all this stuff. And it's just it's we're gonna get into all this. But first, I just want to say thank you to Ben for making time today, man. And I'm down to go into some weird places today. <laughs> yeah, hey, me too. No, uh, Ross, thank you for having me on. It's a huge honor. I'm really happy to be here and uh, just excited to to chat. I've never actually met you. We've exchanged stuff on Twitter before, yeah. but. Man, it's, I mean, what a face, you know? <laughs> what a face. You guys, this guy's got a face for YouTube, I'm telling you. you gotta... That is the truth. That's more more so a face for podcasting. Cause that's I was going to say, like, I've got a face for radio, you know? <laughs> there it is. Yeah, so, it is. so, you know, you got to play to your strengths, but. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Well, I want to, okay, so let's give the brief overview of this, what we're, what we're outlining in this show, really what you guys do with Haunted Cosmos, and then we'll kind of take it back in time a bit because i want to know yeah. how you got super interested in all this stuff so why don't you give just like the overview for the people of what the haunted cosmos is and then we'll kind of quentin tarantino this and, and then go back to the beginning <laughs> nice <laughs> yeah no the i mean the basic thesis of the show is that the uh the world is not just stuff you know you, you live in a a, wor a world that was spoken by a creator by the creator and um, that means that there's a lot of weird things that happen that shouldn't surprise us that they happen, uh, but that we we should be drawn to because um, because the the cosmos was made by a god by the god of the Bible. Uh -huh. That means that the cosmos reflects the creativity of that god, and so you ought to try to know the place that you live. You ought to try to know the story that you're in. And, you know, humanity's done um, good and bad jobs of that in the past, but one of the things that we, that we are convicted of is that um, we're doing a bad job of that now, uh, specifically in, in the areas of um, the dismissible things that aren't easily explained away by a materialist perspective or empiricism and, and positivism and stuff like that. So, yeah, the basic thesis is the, is the world is not just stuff. So, so let's take that and run with it. And, and try to uh, find all the mysteries that we can, not necessarily answer them, but just find them. The first step yeah. in solving a mystery is to figure out that there's actually a mystery there, and then uh, do it all through a, a Christian lens, a biblical worldview, seeking to glorify God as we uh, just marvel <laughs> at the many things that he's done that we just have no clue about. We think that's really great. So that was that's the basic idea of the show. It's And it's so cool because the... Like you said, it's about topics and stories and things that are so often just thrown away just immediately, yeah. especially by Christians, right? Like it's, yeah. it, it seems like oftentimes with some of these stories, Christians are the first people to be like, ah, you know, like that's, that's all just kooky, whatever stuff. And, and your guys' approach to it is like, well, first of all, almost all this stuff we can read about. You know, yeah. like in in the Bible, like there's so many of these things that are literally told to us in the Bible, and so yeah. uh, that part of it always and and you guys open the first episode of the whole thing 
probably still is my favorite, honestly. Like, there's been some bangers here, but dude, sea monsters and and <laughs> stuff on the up, stuff out in the oceans in the deep, like that is what I have been like kind of crazy about for as yeah. long as I can remember in my life. So I was I was hooked Atlantis, like I was hook, line, and sinker from that very first one, man. Dude, me too. <laughs> you know, we cover a lot of ground in that first episode. No, you're seriously. not you're not the first person that has uh, actually there. Most people say like if I had to pick one. That'd be the mm -hmm. one, and I get it. But I wonder if those people have gone back and listened to it recently because the mm. the sound was so much worse and uh, <laughs> yeah. the writing was so bad. So because because of that, uh, I'll I'll drop a teaser for your listeners. We're actually going to be starting season three with another yes. one of those oh, um, yes. kind of revamped new mysteries, and and we're gonna just dive back. Literally, pun intended, dive, dive back. In. Yes, because uh, they. I mean, that gets everybody excited. Brian and I just love that stuff. So we're happy and to my, talk about it all day. And, and my favorite part is, and this is the case in so many of these things, so many of these stories and these avenues that you guys have gone down, um, the, the dismissal of written accounts mm -hmm. that are like, like with the sea monster one, for example, like how, however many dozens or hundreds of their writings of people literally describing to like the detail the exact same thing yeah right like and and we can't just get you can't just dismiss that like there's no, no. way that that many people could have not look like, i could have seen something that accurately and described it as same the same as somebody else completely in a different part of the world and then yeah and like then then that not be a thing like that's always yeah. with with everything like with with bigfoot with all this stuff like there's been so many stories that people have these accounts of and you're like, well, this person said it on this part of the world. And another dude over here said the exact same thing, yeah. like described it the exact same way a century later. And yeah, it's like, the names <laughs> yeah. it's all crazy when you think of it that way. I, uh, so we all, I, I always like to say, uh, people lie. That's true. But people don't only lie. That's not right. the only thing people do. Sometimes people right. tell the truth. And, the other, and I started to take that principle and kind of run with it and look back at uh, even, even beyond Bigfoot accounts and UFO encounters, and those are certainly striking. There's no doubt. Yeah. And there's no shortage of amazing stories there. Yeah. But I, I took it further back and I was like, what about mythology? You know, what if people aren't making it all up? What if yeah. they actually did see these strong gods, quote unquote, that were roaming the earth for a time? Uh, what would we do with that as Christians if it were just if it were true? And you find like, no, we actually can speak to that too. Now I don't know if the Greeks were uh, were being completely truthful in their stories about Zeus and Aphrodite and everything, but they could have been. The thing yeah. is, is they could have been, and it wouldn't, and it actually doesn't make a chink in the armor of the Christian uh, the Christian worldview a single bit. We yeah. know what to do with that stuff, and so then you take that and you just come forward to the modern day. And you're like, okay, well, we have we have all this technology um, that is that's making us really good at lying, but it's also making us really good at, at sharing things uh, that are true. Sometimes, some again, even in the internet age, some things are true, um, and so you just you kind of have to take that principle and keep it in mind, and not buy everything that you hear. That's foolish. That, that's something that an idiot does. But take everything that you hear and say, well, let's just say that it is true what would we do with it? And right. if you can't do anything with it, it's probably not true. 
Uh, but if you can do something with it, then at least you're prepared to give a defense or to, um, you know, use it to compel someone to sure. the truth of the Christian faith. Uh, use it to just improve your own love and delight for the things that God's made. It's such a it's such a cool way to look at it, um, for that reason. Because I I think a lot of people were because it's been so just and and I don't know why maybe in the last hundred and so years, it seems like, and, and maybe I'm off on this timeline, but because we've always had like the, what's the, what was the magazine that was always on the newsstands that had oh, the like crazy, the, what was that one the, called? The, the, the prototype. They made fun of it in like Men magazine. in Black. Yeah. 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 That was like what they went for for leads in Men in Black was to go to that ma- National Enquirer. And now it's there the it Simpsons. Is. You go to the Simpsons to predict the future. <laughs> yeah. But, but a lot of these like tales of these kind of things, Maybe they carried more weight back then. I'm not sure. But it seems like because they were told for so long, just recently, it seems like a lot of these are like, now it's like, oh, you guys were all just kooks. We've been kooks forever. We understand so much more now. Everybody before 100 years ago was an idiot, basically. And I think this happens in a lot of different realms of life in terms of technology. It's like, well, how did we ever survive for so long before a hundred years ago and the things that we have now. And I think that probably bleeds that, that worldview probably bleeds into things like this yeah. too, where it's like, Oh, these were all just crazy campfire stories. Everybody's lying about everything. It was all just whatever, you know? Yeah. And, and well, then I mean, you go into, so, you dig deep into these things and then you're like, but, but, but was it? Yeah. <laughs> I, like the nature of sin is, is that it can't create anything. It just corrupts something that was already made. Sin doesn't make anything new, it just twists, it bends. Um, And so if you take that to its conclusion, then you have to say, well, every lie has to start somewhere true, and then it twists it. And it could twist it a lot, and and it could look completely foreign, or it could only twist it a little bit. The best lies are made up of small truths that have just been rearranged and repackaged to not be the whole truth. But that's what makes them such good lies. So you got to ask yourself, like, those ridiculous tabloids and, and uh, you know, crazy history channel shows like Ancient Aliens, and yep. why are they still on? Like, wh- why do people still spend their time and money on these things? Well, it's because they know that there's something there. Now, it's ridiculous, and the guy with the crazy hair uh, that I have been, my face has been plastered <laughs> on a count of times, uh, like, he is crazy, you know? It, aliens yeah he he is crazy and and i think he's like off his rocker or whatever in so many ways but he's also touching on something that has a genuine pulse and to ignore it is either foolish uh hubris or just completely uninteresting yeah you know and and if you're going to be a christian you have to be interesting because you have to be interested we, we always say interesting people are interested people and Christians yeah. are the most interested people in the world, in the world. Yeah. <laughs> and so yeah. if that's true, then you have to, you have to take all that stuff and say, okay, well, uh, you know, in like the 1800s, we had the rise of empiricism and positivism and it, it made universities into atheistic, materialistic uh, um, tabernacles. Yeah. It, it made science into a religion. And you even had men like Herman Bobbink that were trying to push back against that back in that day because they saw where it would lead. But the grain of longing for uh, a more holistic vision of 
the entire cosmos, seen and unseen, has never left. And so that's why you have, like, even in, um, even though it's it's taboo and, and it's looked down upon, you still have these magazine publishers and these history channel shows that are thriving. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Because people know in their heart of hearts that there just is more there than they've been told by, uh, by the atheistic materialistic scientists. So now we're going to go back in time. Yes. So I want to go, I want to go back to, to young Ben at, at whatever age this sort of sparked for you. Do you have like a, an instance or a, a moment where something in this sphere became super interesting to you that then it's like, not that you become consumed by it, but it's like, wow, this is cool stuff to learn about. I mm. want to follow these, these trails wherever it goes. Like, do you remember how early on that was for you in a lot of this stuff? It had to be really early. Um, I, I, I used to watch Mythbusters on Discovery Channel like constantly. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I mean, shoot, I was younger than 10 for sure. Yeah. Must have been like seven or something. And I think that's kind of what started it. The idea that there were things that people didn't know the answers to was pretty interesting to me because uh, school just tells you the answers that they, they don't, <laughs> they try to hide uh, what, what we don't know about yet until you get into some higher education. But so that was really interesting. And, and there were Discovery Channel shows like Bermuda Triangle Mysteries and mm -hmm. the, the Bigfoot Encounter or whatever. And I thought that was kind of cool. But the other thing that I've noticed uh, now that I'm older is that I've always been heavily affected by stories that scare me uh, mm -hmm. for, for whatever reason, even like a true crime thing, um, which is probably just glorified gossip. But you know, yeah. I, I used to be really into it. and. I, it really moved me uh, and scared me a lot. You know, as a kid, I would watch a horror movie that I should not have been watching, and I couldn't sleep for three weeks. Like, genuinely could not sleep for, for three weeks. And then after that, the sleep was bad. And I think now, and now that I'm a little older and, you know, doing this uh, <laughs> as a living, which is crazy, right. <laughs> I, uh, I don't know. It's, it's easier, and there's, and there's more... Um, space to reflect and think like, okay, well, why, why is that? Why is that so affecting to me? And why now in my older age, am I still drawn to stories that scare me? Um, why, why am I so curious about them? And I think that that has a lot to do with it. There, there's something that draw mystery draws people in. There's something there at a very basic level. Mystery draws people in because Proverbs is true. It's the glory of God to conceal a thing. And it's the glory of Kings to search things out. And Christians are supposed to be priest kings on the earth. So we are drawn to things that have to be searched out. But I think there's also something to fear um, that doesn't fit. It's kind of like how people become obsessed with death mm. far more often than people become obsessed with life. And I think that it's because death is obviously unnatural to us. We know that it's not supposed to, to be there. It's not, it's not actually a gift. It's a curse. And we know that. And, uh, and so we, be, we obsess over it and trying to reverse it and avoid it or worship it and, and just solely look forward to what lies on the other side to the point where we will just, we'll rush death and we'll invite it in way, way earlier than it needs to be and we'll, we'll end our own lives. And in the same way, uh, things that horrify you, really horrify you, are like unto death and that they just don't belong. They're not supposed to be there and you know that. And so because they're not supposed to be there, there's almost an extra driving force in being attracted to them. They have their own gravitational pull, I think, yeah. for a lot of people. And one of the things that 
I've become convinced of. Um, and I think that I was convinced of it as a kid, but I did, certainly didn't have the words for it and maybe didn't have the, um, I don't know, the theological acumen to back it up. Sure. Is that Christians ought to be able to handle the things that are scary and also use them for the purposes of God's kingdom. And what I mean by that is, uh, is like the horror movie franchise is not off limits to Christians, I don't think. I think yeah. that the modern, you know, the horrible gore and sexual degeneracy and just body horror that we have, yeah, like, don't do that. You can't do right. that. But, right. but the idea of scaring someone yeah. uh, to, to make them see something that's true is actually really effective. And it's because man has fallen. So when we're faced with the reality of our fall and we take it to a conclusion that most people wouldn't see in a normal life, it can be really, really potent in, in drawing people away from that to something that's actually comedic instead of tragic. So I don't know. That, that's pretty yeah. rambling. Um, no, that makes a lot of sense. More than did you bargained you, for. <laughs> did you see, um, I think it just came out this last year, a movie called Nefarious. No, I've heard a lot about it. Isn't that uh, Steve Deese? Steve, yeah, it's, it's, his, it's based on his book, uh, Nefarious Plot. And the, the, the movie itself is a little bit, uh, different because his his book is essentially what he would liken to like a modern day ish version of Screw Tape Letters. Okay, like that's yeah. that's how he wrote it. That's was it was from the point of view of Nefarious, who was like a demon king, mm. right? And outlining nice. his plan for America, essentially. And so uh, the movie takes that as a theme and it applies it to this guy who's on death row in prison. And the demon nefarious has taken over this guy and he's telling mm. like this psychologist everything. So, and literally 90% of the movie is shot in one room in this interrogation room with uh, the, the prisoner, the guy on death row and this psychologist. Oh, that's, that's coming cool. to check. Like, and it's, and it is intense. And I mean, and there are great, like you said, taking those things of absolutely terrifying people in real ways but yeah. then having a worldview that can deal with it, mm -hmm. right? Like, mm -hmm. and, and it and it does a great job of that. And the book does the same thing. But um, like, you, there's not many of those things, and it it seems like in media, the the idea of being good storytellers is like passed by to push a certain message, and that happens with Christian media too. Like there's the things where it's like, we're just going to make it a, a sermon movie yeah. instead of like tell a cool story yeah. and yeah. like have people like it, you know? Yeah. <laughs> you know I'm sorry. I mean? like a sermon, you know, a sermon <laughs> is, for, is for the Lord's service. It's a means yeah. of grace when it's preached by a qualified pastor, by a man. Right. It's a, ser a movie is not a sermon. And so these movies that try to be are completely ineffective um, yeah. and, and no one even likes them. And they're like kitschy and <laughs> stupid. Um, <laughs> But, but in the meantime, and, th and then you have something like, you know, we'll just use Lord of the Rings that is not Christian. It isn't, but it is through and through. Right. You know, right. anyone that reads that, they're reading uh, uh, a, a Christian man's heart being poured out on a page in this world that he sub-created um, in, in front of God. And, and so you see how he actually sees the world. And that's what compels people because... You get, an, you get an image into the pathos of how a Christian man thinks 
or how a Christian woman thinks about the world, not by them just telling you how they think about the world, but by them showing you. It, you know, this is a, a principle in stories that you show, don't tell. Yeah. Uh, if you overwhelm the people with exposition, they're not going to really follow you. And if they do, it's, it's, it's not going to be very effective. But if you show them, well, then you've communicated conviction and belief. And they start to, even if they disagree, they start to understand that you believe what you're saying to the very bottom. And that compels people to pay attention. One of the best examples that I can think of of uh, accidentally Christian horror is Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. She uh, was not, obviously not a Christian. She was a <laughs> very yeah. sexually degenerate person. But you see in Frankenstein um, almost a confession of sorts. Like her, her heart is clearly poured out on the page and she's confessing this monster that she's made um, despite being a likable person herself. It, it, there's so many layers to it. And you walk away from that book being changed and a lot of people aren't able to describe why they feel changed after they after they put a book down, where they just want to like stare out of a, a window as it's raining and and like smoke a cigarette or something like this. <laughs> right. <laughs> Major life event just happened to them. All they did was, right. was finish a book, uh, and it's because you have now had someone's DNA, so to speak, um, someone's pathos passed to you, and that means they did a good job, and that means also that you are now different because of it. And so you have to figure out what to do with being different. And to kind of bring this home, yeah. one of the things that Christians have, has, have lost, I think, in the modern day is the ability to tell tragedy in a way that actually takes people deeper into the comedy that's happening behind the tragic facade of the world. Yeah. For some people, their life will be tragic. There's two options. You can go tragedy or comedy. And we see a lot of the tragic um, because even though we're saved, we still sin. Sin yeah. is literally everywhere. But, but behind it all, there is an underlying deep comedy that is unbelievably beautiful and that compels anyone who has the eyes to see. And so the more that we can pray to be used by God as a means for him to exercise his grace on someone, to open their eyes and see the beauty, well, we should take that opportunity and and telling compelling horror and tragedy is one of those means. I, I really firmly believe that. It reminds me with the, the tragedy versus comedy thing, that line actually reminds me of, of, a, of a movie that I, I actually enjoy despite its intensity with a lot of really dark material, right? But that's the most recent version of joker that joaquin phoenix said but oh. his, li his line in it actually says like i used to think my life was a tragedy and then i realized that it's actually a comedy yeah and that's like what sets him over the edge into being the joker and sending him down the insane like it was literally when he made that realization and so like when you just said that was like one of the first lines that came to mind i'm like dang that's like that just that switch in perspective yeah can do a lot that is an amazing. Movie. First of all, amazing movie. I love crazy movie. good movie. <laughs> and but second, it kind of shows the point of uh, of a good lie being made up of small truths. He's telling yeah. the truth. Yeah. You know, it, it, like some some people do have a tragic life. That's very true. But others don't. And the and the fact is, uh, John three sixteen is true. God came to save the world, and any who call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ will be saved. So everyone has the opportunity to 
have their life be a comedy. Obviously, we know that only the elect will, will truly, but from man's point of view, we all have the opportunity. And so, yeah, I, I, you know, you can, you can make that realization. You can have a discernment as a gift of common grace that's genuinely good, that sees, oh, it's actually just comedy behind it all. Yeah. But in reality, if you don't have Christ as the anchor of the comedy, then your comedy will lead to tragedy for everyone around you. And the Christian comedy is one that says, my life for yours. It's a, it's a spiritual perspective of comedy that's going to look like dying. Christ did die, but in dying, he won. And so that's the thing is, is you ha sin has done such a good job of twisting this into making people think, no, 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 it is, it is comedic. It's true, but it's just, it's only comedic for you, no one else. Right. But the truth is, no, it's comedic for everyone not you. <laughs> That's, That's so the thing. Good, dude. That's so uh, but so it's just it's a it's a complete inversion of of the real truth. It's comedic for the world, for the universe, right. for God, but probably not for you until right. you die. And in dying, you're a seed planted that that sprouts forth fruit in eternity. So good, man. I wanted to bring up too. You mentioned uh, one of the things that you liked earlier on was the show MythBusters. Oh, and, so <laughs> and you became like an engineer, right? Yeah. So, I mean, that seems like a pretty strong seed planted early on. Yeah. With that show that that ultimately at, at one point became what your profession was. So yeah, no doubt. from, from approaching a lot of this stuff, you, I mean, you came from a fairly, I mean, you've used the term like scientific materialistic profession, right? Mm -hmm. Like, that uses yeah. these material things to explain a lot of this stuff. Uh, did that, how, how was being in that field while having a different worldview, essentially, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, no, that's a really good question. I, huh. It was certainly interesting. I think I also don't have, um, as much of a, uh, stereotypical like engineer personality. I'm, I, I like, right. I'm, I'm more extroverted. Like I get wound up around people. Um, and so that in itself was interesting, but yeah. I loved the people that I was with. I really sure. genuinely, I admire the engineer's mind much better. Most engineers are a better engineer than I was. But, um, yeah. And I really admire the way that their mind works. But one of the things, you know, it's funny. That's a really good question. Because one of the things I'm realizing now is the building that I worked in, uh, when I was an engineer building 1295 at Hill Air Force Base. It was the A-10 SPO. And I was a stress engineer, so I would just do math all day and write tech reports about a repair and whether or not it would work. And um, there were no windows in the building. <laughs> it was a big building. That, yeah. You know, uh, there was actually, <laughs> there was one window, but it was covered by a full wall that they had put up to make a cubicle <laughs> for somebody. So there were functionally no windows. <laughs> right. And... That tends to be the trend. Um, yeah. When you get engineer types and you tell them to make something for people, uh, they're not going to do a good job. Hmm. And it's because that's not what they're for. It's not because hmm. they're dumb or they're, they're bad people or they don't know what beauty is. No, it's just you're asking a wrench to be a screwdriver, and it yeah. has to be a wrench, and it's going to be the best wrench you've ever seen. But you can't ask it to do something that it can't do. And so I think that it was just, uh, it, it quickly became a realization for me. I only worked in the field for about two and a half years. And I quickly realized that I am not a wrench. I, j I just am not. Uh, I really admire them 
a lot. Yeah. Uh, and I think that their minds are just beautiful the way, the way that they work, but it's not me. So there were some butting heads here and there, but ultimately it was, it was just kind of people being people. And so, um, sure. I would say that it was overwhelmingly positive actually. Yeah. And then once COVID came in, it got a little more negative, but, uh, but it is trap a bunch fun. of trap a bunch of people in a in a vacuum inside yeah. a building with no it's, windows you know, and then and then throw a pandemic at them. I can't imagine yeah. that goes well. <laughs> but you know, any, anything like that's just water under the bridge. Um, yeah, for sure. But it is interesting how you <laughs> how you can kind of see the manifestation of someone's thought come out in the spaces that they would make for someone else to be in. Um, mm. And uh, and it's, yeah, an engineer an engineer's just not for that. That's not what he's yeah. for. Let the architect sure. do that, but, <laughs> right. but train them better so that they're not so modern and gay. Um, right. And make them more classical. But, <laughs> right. Uh, and then let the engineers build the thing. That's what they're going to do really well. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's too funny, man. So let's look at um, some of these. I, I want to get into some of these episodes because I want to know, uh, you guys have done two seasons now. Yeah. And just, just wrapped up season two this week, actually, as of time that we're recording this. Yeah, yesterday as of recording. Yeah. 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 Which is, which is wild. And you guys are taking, I think you said like a month or so before season three comes, or do you even have, a I don't, time I don't know. It's, you know. it's either a five or six week break. I yeah. I don't know, but we're, you know, we'll release a dusty tome, our, our Patreon yeah. show. We'll release one of those each week to yeah, get people excited. Sure. But. So we, we brought up, we mentioned the one at the very beginning, the, you know, with sea monsters and Atlantis and dude, the, the Atlant first of all, uh, the Atlantis part of that episode I'm literally like, I'm doing the Leonardo DiCaprio meme where I'm whistling and pointing because I'm like, that's that's one that's one that I've like been so into for so long. So as soon as you guys get into it, I'm like, hey, hey. And he's like, he's doing it. He's doing it. So that was, I, lo I love that uh -oh, one. Oh, I got... lost you. Oh, am I there? Oh, there you are. Got me back? Yep, yep, yep. Sorry, just glitched right. out. No worries, no worries. So yeah, the, the Atlantis piece of that, I was just... I was so into when you guys when you guys started going over that because that's one that's one of those ones like and I said it before there's something about there's something about the ocean that that really just like stirs yeah in me you know what I mean and I think and, that's every man <laughs> oh dude and I think because you mentioned like the the fear aspect. Mm -hmm. of of being drawn to things right and that was always a thing for me growing up being younger was being like deathly afraid of open water yeah right like i even still to this day like i would i would definitely not prefer to be out in the middle of the ocean somewhere you know <laughs> um but yeah. it's it's a fear that is also a fascination mm -hmm. and so i think what's what's a cool a cool way that I end up looking at a lot of these stories that you guys do was, yeah, some of them are straight up terrifying, right? But that aspect of it makes me really fascinated by it. I'm like, oh, why is this, why is this one making me so freaked out? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, what is it about this that I am all of a sudden like terrified of? And that makes me want to be like, I want to, I want to know why, like, why does that make me so freaked out? You know? Yeah. So do you have, I mean, you guys map these things out, how you're going to cover which topics, but like, did you have any that surprised you kind of in that way? We're like, oh, we'll talk about this. But then you start researching, you're like, holy cow, that got to a place I was not expecting. Yeah. Um, vampires was the first one Ooh. for me. I, 
man, I started looking into it and I was like, oh, this will be fun. Some medieval stories about people eating people. Who, right. who doesn't like that? <laughs> right. um, and then I started getting into the much older stuff, the really ancient like Mesopotamia, mm -hmm. you know, even Hebrew, Egyptian legend. And I was like, this is really messed up. Like mm. the motif of consumption of blood and God telling his people that the blood is the life of a thing and therefore you can't consume it. And then you have like the Lord's Supper, mm -hmm. <laughs> the Lord's Supper being um, a sacrament of, this is going to sound really bad, a, a sacrament of like vampiric scale mm. where we are consuming Christ's blood. It's a real spiritual presence. What It's what Calvin says. Um, it's not physical, but it's still just as real because it's spiritual and you are consuming the blood of your maker. Um, and in a way that means that you are partaking of the life that he has within himself. And I, I just got into it and I was like, this is, first of all, you know, a hour and 10 minute episode is just not going to do, it's not going to do it. Like, you <laughs> Whole could write, season dedicated to yeah, that. You could write volumes on that, yeah. um, on that and follow it through like, life or blood being so connected to sexuality some of it for for obvious reasons but then some not so obvious reasons where y you have um a blood line representing your progeny and so your oh icicle just fell outside exploded <laughs> <laughs> i thought i was getting shot at um <laughs> you know you you're passing on your blood to your children you're you're creating life from the life that you already have and uh, one of the primary forms of curse and corruption and uh, just ho horrible tragedy is the taking away of, of children. You're mm. stealing purity. You're stealing life. You're stealing blood um, from a people. And, and anyway, like you can just go on and on and on and yeah. on and on. And yeah, it really shocked me. I was like, wow, yeah. this is, uh, you know, there's potential to do something important here, um, even if it's just in refining my own thought sure. about how the world works. But Another one would probably be um, the the aliens one, the last episode of season one. Yeah. Almost all of the ones in season two, except for Angels, Bermuda Triangle, and Dyatlov Pass, have had the same effect on me, where I'm like, okay. wow, this, this yeah. goes really deep. Yeah. But another one from season one, where I was much more innocent and just thinking it was going to be a, <laughs> like, like a fun ghost podcast, was the aliens one. Uh, because I, re you know, I quickly found out how akin um ufo abduction stories are to mm. like satanic ritual um mm. like horrible you know like yeah actual practices and stuff and how they're almost the exact same and that for me was a, a nail in the coffin where i was like oh wow this is um this is crazy. This isn't just, that's the point you know, where you're like, okay, what did we get into? Yeah. And, and if I continue with this, I'm continuing with this. Like, yeah, this I is the got, point I, of, I, I make the decision. Right. This either has to become my whole thing or yeah. I have to step away. Right. Uh, and it became my whole thing. Yeah. So. <laughs> that's too funny, man. I think the one, uh, the vampires one I was going to do is I was going to say is like that yeah. kind of, that, that got, that got a lot darker than I was anticipating because like yeah. everything that, I mean, that's such a common, a, a common character yeah. in, in any horror thing 
you know, as far as we've been telling popular horror stories, right? Like that's, and, and there's been so many permutations of what vampire, what the vampirism is from actual vampires like, like Dracula and, and then all of these different ways they're being told. Like the most recent one, uh, the, the one that I really enjoyed actually from a, how they portrayed it was the, the series called Underworld. Oh yeah, remember with, that uh, one? That that chick, she's I like can't the her name. Kate something. Yeah, Kate something. And it had, and it had. Uh, I, I like how they did it. That was pretty good. But they just came out with one. Uh, this most, I want to say it was just a few months ago, um, and it was it was a, t- a period piece set in like the 1800s because they're on like this big wooden, you know, giant cross ocean ship, and the Dracula beast is on the ship with them oh, as they're yeah. crossing, you know, and I can't remember what it's called. I saw and, that trailer on Instagram or something. I was and I'm like, going through that actually things. looks pretty cool. <laughs> and, I'm, and, and he was like some weird, like alien with wings, like just, I mean, crazy beast looking version of Look. it. It wasn't like the Gary Oldman version, you know, of, of Bram Stoker's. Yeah. Glory. Like they, they, there's been just been so many different, but the, but just the concept, like that was one that, as soon as I started reading more about it too, I'm like, holy cow, this got, this wasn't as surface funny, like kind of stuff. Like this is real dark stuff. Yeah. I expected like, Oh, it's this myth that popped up because of the plague or whatever. And I I was like, Oh wow. This is really (laughs) deep and dark, you know, um, funny story. Oh wait, I was going to say the most recent episode season two, episode 10 on DMT. I, yes, was shocked mm. at what we found when we were looking into that. I was just like, oh my, like your dare officer was right. If you do drugs, <laughs> we'll get you. There's an, absolutely no doubt. It was, I was, I, it's so messed up. It was just really, really bad. But one of the things I was going to say was uh, just as a funny story uh-huh. um, with the Atlantis thing. Yeah. So Brian and I were on a uh, kind of a work trip in Orlando, Florida. And we went to Chili's one night, as usual, and enjoyed some El Presidente's and had some chips and salsa. It was amazing. And that's when we really came up with the idea for Haunted Cosmos, and we really, like, yeah, refined yeah. it. Um, and then so, anyway, we went back to the, to the hotel, and we were like, well, let's try, to record, let's try to record episode one. And so we had written up some stuff. We did the whole Atlantis thing, mm-hmm. like, five minutes before recording. We Googled, like... <laughs> What what about Atlantis? And we just go, and and watched the video, and we were both yeah. jaws on the floor, just like you've yeah. got to be kidding me. So, yeah, it was almost by accident that the Atlantis so was good. in there, so and it good. remains, I think, like one of my high points uh, for sure over the past year. <laughs> so funny, man! Like I said, that that's one that really has been one a, a, a singular story that I have been fascinated with as long as i can remember like so here's another uh easter egg yeah in season three we're gonna do a whole episode just on atlantis there we go uh, because now it turns out be- there's like dozens if not hundreds of different atlantis type legends around the world yeah. and they're all very cool so we're gonna, awesome. we're gonna be checking awesome. those out for sure. i remember i and i'm sure just because of my age the first thing i remember was probably the movie, the cartoon Disney movie. Like, oh, yeah, the, that they did those two. And because the first one came out, I was probably seven or eight years old. 
or something well, like did, that when the first didn't one came like, out. Didn't Little Mermaid, wasn't she, didn't she live in Atlantis? Yeah, I wasn't think you're right. Right? Yeah. And then that's, I mean, that's Aquaman. That, I mean, right, like, there's yeah. so many different, like, popular comic and, and other Disney whatever type characters and stories. I mean, not even before Disney, but just, like, forever that, like, those characters, like, that's at home. Is it and dude, it just goes to show. It just goes to show that it's important. It's an important topic because Disney's been a psyop from day one. So they're just trying to like mock Atlantis and make it seem really childish. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So that people are like, "Oh, that's just a trope they use to for right. Ariel." That's where Ariel's dad lives. And right. you're like, "No, no, I'm not going to buy into the psyop." You, right. you pagan pedophile Disney <laughs> people. <laughs> Too funny, dude. Okay, so you have this next season. I'm not going to ask, like, you know, I'm not going to tell you to tease the whole season, right? Because that's part of what I enjoy is, like, seeing what you guys are going to do the, the, yeah. next, the next episode, right? But you mentioned the, the Atlantis one. So I'm going to ask even farther out. Mm -hmm. Ones that aren't even in season three. Are there topics that you are, like, we need to get to this at some point. But, like, we, you know, I don't know when it'll be, but this one's been in my mind forever. Like, I really want to go into this. I'm sure you've probably got a dozen, but is like, is there one that kind of stands out as one that you think would be really fun to go into? Yeah. Um, I think there's, there's two. <clears throat> one is, uh, hollow earth. Um, ah. cause I'm a, I'm a hollow earth proponent. Uh, yes. yeah. Big, big hollow, not like eggshell. I think that's stupid, right. but like right. massive caverns because she has to be in there, you know? So, right. Right. Th there you go. Um, Hollow Earth would be one. Another one is, um, <clears throat> excuse me. Oh my goodness. It's on the tip of my, oh, cursed mathematics. Yes. Interesting. I really love math. It's my favorite mm -hmm. subject in school. And, uh, I've always been like, yeah, there's just a, like, it's not right. I got up to, mm. um, calculus four in college because of engineering yeah. school. And then, you know, you, I took a bunch of physics classes and you're doing mm -hmm. calculus and all this stuff. And then I, on my own time, I would just look up some what I thought were cool math concepts. And uh, and I was like, this is not <laughs> like something doesn't fit. Um, for example, the example I always give is the Fibonacci sequence is yeah. you know, zero, one, one, two, three, five, eight, 13, et cetera, is, uh, is one of the most enigmatic things in the universe i don't i don't get it because it's capable of being the 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 building block of such beauty you know mm. ferns um mm -hmm. the, the the parthenon all of these things are built on the golden ratio that we get from the fibonacci sequence but it's also capable of horrible ugliness mm. uh for example the tool song lateralis mm -hmm. which is a cool song by the way i i have mm -hmm. to admit but the message is really, really dark and really like panentheistic and, and mm -hmm. evil. And when you listen to it, uh, it, it affects you in a certain way and it makes you feel like you're kind of descending into this pit. Um, you don't feel very good. And then at the end, it's just kind of like raging in the pit and it's supposed to spit you back out and it kind of doesn't, it's kind of a lie. But that song uses the Fibonacci sequence yeah. uh, heavily and it's, time signatures and in the syllables that the lead singer uses to write the lyrics in. And, and so it does have an effect. It, it, 
it really does. And then it gets into my whole thing about how spirals are, are probably evil um, or, <laughs> or mostly evil. And we, we don't really know how to make a good spiral anymore. But anyway, so, so yeah. curse math. I have no idea how to do a show on that. And it would right. probably suck. Uh, but someday... Someday I want to I want to try it, take a stab at it. We'll see. That's awesome. There's so the you kind of covered a little bit of it when you guys did the the aliens one, but I think as a the one that I'm it, it's another one. Like there's Atlantis. There's a couple that I'm like this is my jam. The just the idea of Area Fifty One. Oh yeah. Like <laughs> that one. What? Like that. I I I'm, I'll lose it on that one, and then honestly there's a lot of space stuff right yeah. like I, that that's a whole i mean that you, there could be a whole season of just oh, space oh, I lost stuff you, again. you know what i mean oh they got me back there, there go. we go yeah, yeah i was just saying that, that, i mean there's a whole there's a whole season's worth of just space yeah. stuff you know 100%. what i mean but like those kind of things and and it's probably it's probably tied into the same thing as like the oceans with space. I think yeah. a lot of people share a lot of that same insights and the way they feel about those two things are probably very, come from a very similar place. They, they fundamentally behave in the same way for yeah. the human mind as far yeah. as comprehension goes. Like yeah. space operates on a scale that we're just not capable of comprehending. And, and so we look at the ocean and we're like, it's just like space. <laughs> and, we're, yeah. and we're not wrong to say that, I don't think. Space is a really interesting one too, I, I agree. Um, the medievals had this idea of the curse, the scholastics, that was surprisingly, you know, viewed as surprisingly orthodox by many, many early reformers, which said mm. that the effects of the curse um, only went so far as concerned man, and that was limited to the Earth's atmosphere. And so they said that the curse ended uh, at the the sphere of the moon, at the moon's orbit, kind of was a boundary. And everything beyond the... Uh, the dark side of the moon was was not cursed. And so it was holy and it was as it should be. Um, I don't think that's true. I, I don't. Uh, but I do think it's really interesting. And it reveals a lot of how they viewed the heavens and the planets and the stars. And it's part of why I have posited before uh, that, like, you know, like black holes are, are fallen angels uh, yeah. or, or, or quasars are, are fallen angels or, or something like that. And even if that's not technically true, which it probably isn't, it doesn't really matter because imaginatively and conceptually, it is it gives you the same message as saying, "Well, Jupiter is an angel." Hmm. Uh, I mean, Aquinas thought that. Uh, yeah. Aquinas said that there was an a spiritual intelligence that guided all of the planets and stars, and they're sent to govern the sky. I think that there's certainly legs to that theological legs, but even if it's not technically true. It doesn't right. really matter. The point is, everything in creation has to, has to play its part. It's all a symphony. And even if the symphony seems like it's full of discord uh, to the man, it's probably because it is, because we operate on such short time scales. But the time signature of forever, for all of history, will work itself out to be something that's beautiful. And so I think that you have to take that idea, we're really good at doing that on the earth, you have to also take that into the heavens and say, okay, well, how does the music of creation work out in the stars, in the black holes, in the, in, in the yeah. supernovas and all this stuff? So anyway, I think space would be a really, really fascinating one. 
So if we're looking at really how with people who maybe haven't ever spent time in this part of their minds, right? Mm -hmm. Like beginning to explore these things, specifically Christians, right? There's, there's probably a bit of overwhelmed feeling of how do I begin to have this outlook or begin to feel okay about looking into these kind of things, Mm -hmm. right? Like how do you recommend people go about approaching this without getting in trouble going too far down some dark stuff. Right. Yeah. I mean, cause, because that can be very easy to do when you start yeah. going into some of these things. And I believe, and, and that's going to be intentional as well, like to, to yeah. suck people into those dark areas. So how do you recommend when people want to want to learn about these things and seek things out like this, like we're supposed to, they do it in a way that's, that's good. Yeah, no, that's, that's a great question. I, I think that you hit the nail on the head. Uh, when you, when you try to, um, you know, when you try to, in, it's going to sound bad. When you try to enlighten yeah. the way that you view the world, I mean that in the best way. Sure. Um, you you tend to put yourself in a more perilous position than one who just says ignorance is bliss. And so there are going to be ditches on on both sides of the road. But the one that the, the one that's going to be a danger for people getting into it is going way too far. And so there's a couple things. Two really easy ones are uh, be a Orthodox Christian. Learn your confession and say yes and amen. God has in his word given us very clear boundaries of what is Orthodox and what is not. And we ought to love those boundaries such that when we bump up against them, we have no interest in going beyond it because that would mean leaving the beautiful field that it's encompassing. So love the boundaries of orthodoxy. And I mean like Westminster Catechism, Westminster Confession, uh, the, the London Baptist Confession for the Baptist out there. Love those confessions, know them, whatever exceptions you have to them, make sure that you have good biblical reason to make those exceptions. And anyway, and, and then, but recognize that those confessions create a fence line that gives you a field that you can explore. Yeah. It doesn't answer everything, and that's by design. God left things unanswered, and that's part of the point. Uh, so enjoy exploring and grazing in the field of orthodoxy that a Reformed confession gives you. So I, I would say that first of all. Mm-hmm. And then apart from that, find a good church. If you're not in a good church, then you're a fool. Be in a good church. And you're also sinning, by the way. So repent and be in a good church. Um, and a good church is one that faithfully preaches the gospel of Christ and the whole counsel of God believes the Bible, faithfully administers the sacraments, and practices church discipline. Those are the three pillars of, of a true church. So be a part of one of those and be a fruitful part of one of those uh, and enjoy all of the many blessings that come from that. And, you know, be held accountable. So enjoy the means of grace, enjoy the Lord's Supper, enjoy the word preached. If you're not baptized, enjoy baptism. Um, get baptized if you're not. <laughs> and, uh, and baptize your kids also. Um, and then uh, apart from that, I would say that uh, Brian and I recognize how serious of a, of a thing this is, of a need. And so we're actually, I've ne- we've never teased this, okay? Um, we're working on a book. And hey, uh, nice. I am not going to give a timeline at all because I'm sure yeah. it'll be wrong. But <laughs> we're, <laughs> yeah. we're working on a book, and the book is an attempt to answer the question that you just asked. 
yeah. uh, how do, how should we look at the world and what should we do about it? Um, so, so look out for that. It'll be coming up that's awesome. someday. <laughs> uh, that's awesome. And, and just the idea of the, the, you know, looking at it as a field, like you said, with fence line, right? Mm -hmm. I think that also helps your, your attitude while pursuing these things as well. Because I kind of get the, and I'm sure, I, I, I promise you're probably like this as well with a lot of your, maybe you have friends that aren't as into this stuff as you are. Yeah. And you're kind of the, the kooky one, right? Like yeah. that's that's me and in, in certain groups of friends that I have, <laughs> right? But like when, when random stories come up that just seem like totally outlandish, I I I love that. <laughs> like I, I'm yeah. happy and I'm like, Oh, that sounds like, who knows who, who has a clue? I don't have a clue, Yeah. but that sounds awesome. I wouldn't put it past anything for that to be the case, but like, let's go figure it out. And like, I have that, those kind of guardrails in my mind where I'm like, okay, I can see the direction that this is going. Yeah. Right. Like it, a lot of things, it doesn't take a super long amount of time before you can kind of begin to see this is going away that I probably shouldn't continue following. That's right. Like I think, I yeah. think a, like a lot of you, discernment will happen a lot sooner than a lot of people think yeah. in, in these areas. If, if, especially if they're following those, those guidelines that you mentioned before, like that's kind of the point is those things yeah. give you discernment when following a lot of these trails. Yeah. They, they are a protection, you know, it's like a yeah. child with, with his parents. Um, the, the church is our mother, our, our mother church. And if we forsake her teaching, then we're fools. And, um, and, and the fool is the one that says in his heart, there's no God. Like the, the pipeline's very real if you forsake the teaching of your mother. So yeah, I would say you don't want to just adhere to the standard of God's yeah, word. Yeah. You want to love it. You want, you want to be enamored with it. If you find yourself far more obsessed with like weird fringe Bigfoot theories than you do <laughs> God's word, Right. And the, the glories hidden therein, you're probably you probably need to just step back a little bit. Um, but having said all that, once you're good on those things, be curious, yeah. like go crazy. I mean, seriously, and ask for the Lord's help and giving you wisdom and discernment and, and, and uh, increasing your faith in him every day. Don't seek out encounters. Yeah, hopefully that goes without saying. Don't go to a graveyard and be like, if there's any demons here, I'd love to talk. Right. You deserve whatever's coming to you is not good, but you deserve it. So yeah. <laughs> uh, don't do right. that. just for being dumb, you deserve it. Don't yeah. do that. If right. you play stupid games, you'll win stupid prizes. That's true physically and spiritually. And then uh, and then the other thing is read really good books, read old books, um, ancient church fathers, Augustine, you know, th those guys, man, their minds were beautiful and they were insane. And you'd be shocked at the type of things that they talk about. Read yeah. Calvin on angels. Yeah. A lot of people think Calvin was a dry guy. Yeah. People that think that have never read him. Read him on angels. It will shock you. The, in, the rich vision that he had for the ministry of the angels in the, every, the everyman Christian life. And then read good fiction as well. Um, you wanna be formed by story because people are formed by story. That's why the Bible is a narrative and not yeah. just a systematic textbook. Um, and you want to be formed by good stories so that the formation that uh, that occurs is actually fruitful and beneficial. So read really good books. <laughs> that's a I think that's kind of a good segue into to beginning to wrap things up a little bit with the book topic. Um, there's a couple that you mentioned, like old church fathers and just and things from 
you know, a couple hundred years ago or more, mm-hmm. you, you read some of these and you're like, dude, this could have been written a week ago. Yeah. You know, and, and it's the one insane. that the, the first one I remember really having that, uh, that feeling about was, um, it's a, it's a three volume set, the, the Christian complete armor. Mm. And it was, it was, I think his last name was Duvall. Um, but it was written in like the, he was a Puritan. So it was really like early 1600s ish was yeah. around the time that this came out and you're reading it and you're just like, are you, are you sure that I have this date, right? That I'm reading this, yeah. that like, that he wrote this. Cause this literally like, and it's not because he's like predicting the future, but it's more about just the, the aspects of human nature and these things that we all still deal with. Yeah. Like he's not yeah. out here. He's not out here predicting what's happening in 2024, but it's like all of these behaviors and attitudes and the way that people behave, it's the exact same still as it was yeah. throughout all of history. So you connect with all of these things and you're like, wow, maybe we did know a bunch of stuff back then that like, <laughs> these guys were pretty I smart. <laughs> I, I, I've been thinking recently about, uh, trying to reconcile the the praise that the men of Issachar get for knowing the times, um, yeah. which is a goal that we all should have. We should we should strive to be men who know the times that we're in. But reconciling that with Ecclesiastes, which is also true, that there's nothing new under the sun, no matter when you right. live. Um, I think that the reconciliation is that there there is nothing new under the sun, but things are, uh, they're given new masks. They put, you know, there's new paint jobs on them. They're, they're the same things, good or bad, um, but they're just repackaged for the modern technology and, and the sure. modern issues. And, and so I think you should want to be a man who knows the times that you're in. And usually the way to, to cultivate that is by reading men who've come before you who clearly knew the times that they were in. Right. For all of his faults, and there are some, C.S. Lewis knew the times. Yep. Uh, Chesterton knew the times. Tolkien knew the times. Bobbing knew the times. Augustine knew the times. Athanasius knew the times. So read men that have known the times and try to say, okay, well, I'm, I'm going to be formed by these men's thought, knowing that n- there's nothing new under the sun. So I can take these principles and apply them now, and I will, Lord willing, be a man that knows the times. So you mentioned a couple names there. Do you, I, I want to I nail you down on a couple of recommendations. So, oh. uh, I, I, I'm sure, and I love I, talking you about guys, <laughs> uh, <laughs> right. And the, it was really funny. I want to say, I can't remember if it was on Eric's show or if it was a King's hall, but they, the three of them did a, a book episode that was like three and a half hours. Long. Oh yeah. And it, it was like, here's top our top five, five and there's 40 books each that. Yeah. Done. <laughs> okay. So Dude, we're not going to do that. Cause that'll, that <laughs> I have to work with those guys every day. <laughs> I get to work with those guys. There you go. So, but it is uh, like that all the time. Yeah, exactly. So, so we're not going to turn this into that, but if you've got a couple that are in each of those categories, some of the yeah. like historical from some of those guys that you mentioned, good works that would be good to read. And then also some in the, in the fiction realm, just from a storytelling perspective um, that you would, that you would recommend as well. I know, I guarantee, yeah. I know one of the ones that you're going to list, but, but go ahead and crank out the list. If yes. you had to read one book. Uh, <laughs> no, seriously. If you, <laughs> uh, so in terms of, uh, of, of theology, I think that is important. And um, well, obviously it's important, but I think that people should read it. Yeah, I mean, that's what I mean. Uh, Herman Bovink's Reform Dogmatics is just mm. unmatched. It's unmatched. Uh, it's 
once you get used to his style, his pathos just sings. And you know that this guy is so convinced by what he's saying and his vision for the Christian life is beautiful. So I'd recommend that. Um, if, if you had to pick one, maybe his volume two on God and creation is uh, just insanely good. Uh, so that's really good. Louis Burkhoff also has a single volume systematic that's wonderful. If you get that, get the edition with the prolegomena at the beginning. It's like 200 page intro. It's really, really good. Um, that's kind of more dry though. So sure. in terms of uh, uh, a beautiful vision for what the world is, G.K. Chesterton's Orthodoxy is a, a really formative book for me. Um, Anthony Esselin's Out of the Ashes mm. is one of the books that I, I read a long time. It's actually right over here. I read it a long time ago. And then I just reread it this year for a, uh, a book thing that we're doing at the church. And I was like, oh, I had no clue that this is where I got all of those habits and, and all of those ideas and convictions. Really formative book. It's really, really good. Um, for fiction, I'm far more interested in fiction. Uh, nonfiction, yeah. it doesn't really do it for me as much. Um, for fiction, I, I C.S. Lewis's Ransom Trilogy is mm, unbelievable. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to just go off on a rant on Lewis and Tolkien and just rattle off what I think everyone must read from those Perfect. two. So, Perfect. C.S. Lewis, the Ransom Trilogy, or as I like to call it, the Heaven Trilogy. Um, that's a man, uh, by, the, by the end of the third book, you'll be like, how, he, was he a prophet? <laughs> so, <laughs> right. Uh, the Heaven Trilogy, uh, really, really good. Especially Paralandra, the second one. Yeah. Uh, just, it is a gut punch of recognizing that God turned everything good from an eternal decree, knowing that man would sin and ordaining it even, and, and yet he turned it all good. But at the same time, we did lose something. We lost something when we sinned in the garden. Lewis's ability to convey that in a way that's visceral is, in, I don't understand how he did it. So read Paralandra. It's mostly dialogue. You'll love it. Yeah, <laughs> um, awesome. And then Narnia. Uh, Narnia is usually overlooked by adults, and it shouldn't yeah. be. Uh, read Narnia in publication order, as is right, and then read Planet Narnia by Michael Ward, and then read Narnia again, and it will completely oh, okay. change and, and enrich how you view the story. It's just amazing. Um, Till We Have Faces by C.S. Lewis, again, is his best book, and it's not even close. It's not even close. Um, one of the most influential fiction books I've ever read. And then C.S. Lewis's The Discarded Image uh, is another book for a, a vision of the world that's older. It's more medieval. And it's just amazing. So read that. Um, Paradise Lost is the best poem in the English language. And it's not even close. <laughs> um, uh, Dante's uh, Divine Comedy is unbelievable. If you read it from start to finish, Inferno, Purgatorio, and Paradiso, the last line of the Paradiso, I will give $5, because I'm not a wealthy man, I will give $5, <laughs> To any man who can who can read that last line, having diligently read all, the rest of it, and not shed a tear, it's mm. it's just insane. Uh, so that's really good. Um, let's see here. 
Oh, uh, Edmund Spencer's The Fairy Queen is amazing. That, that Jane Austen's Pride and Prejudice, everyone has to read that. That book is so funny. And it, and it helps you gain a picture into the human psyche that mm-hmm. I don't know how Jane Austen knew so much about the way people think, especially as a woman who's able to write men so well. That's yeah. pretty uncommon. And yeah. she's able to do it. And it's really, really great. Um, That's a good Mary one. Shelley's Frankenstein, Bram Stoker's Dracula. Both of those are overlooked, but they're classics. They're just so good. Yep. yep. Uh, the Brothers Karamazov by Dostoevsky. Uh, Notes from the Underground by Dostoevsky. War, uh, Crime and Punishment by Dostoevsky. Uh, you'll get really sad, but you'll become more of a Christian. Um, Dostoevsky's really great at showing that, they're, uh, that the wise go to the house of mourning. Um, and you take a lot of lessons from that. And now my guy. I have to go. Uh, the, best, the best author in the English language is J.R.R. Tolkien. With him, we reached our peak. And we have yet to come close to reaching it again. Uh, T.S. Eliot said that Dante and Shakespeare divide the world between them and there's not a third. There's a third. It's Tolkien. <laughs> and he's in the middle. Um, the Silmarillion is the best book I've ever read. And it, and, and, it's, and it isn't close. I know I keep saying that about a lot of different things. <laughs> uh, but like, Till We Have Faces is the best Lewis book and it's not close and that's true. But The yep. Silmarillion is the best book I've ever read. And I am reading it now for, I think, the seventh time. And it, it has not lost a single ounce of its strength. It's just, it's mythology. You have to keep that in mind. Yeah. It's not just a fiction book. It's a myth, yeah. a, a holistic myth. Um, and it is, oh, my goodness. It will form you, if you stick with it, if you give him your heart for those 350 <laughs> pages or whatever, he will make you into a better man. There's no doubt. There's no doubt. It's just, it, I mean, there are no words. You can't. And it's a different type of read than yeah. the other, like than the trilogy Very of the Hobbit. So like, like you said, you have to keep a couple of these things in mind going into it because mm-hmm. it was a, there's a. If you group, expect Lord of the Rings prequel, you're going to be disappointed. Um, right. There's a, a, there was a group that I'm a part of. Um, and one of the guys in it recently, he's like, I've never, he's like, I've seen all the movies, but I've never just read the books. Like, where do you recommend I start? Should I start with the trilogy? Should I start with the Hobbit? And one of the other guys is like, start with Silmarillion. I'm like, don't start with that. That's, that's later. No. That's later. Yeah. <laughs> read it, uh, the Hobbit and the Lord of the Rings go without saying, if you haven't yeah. read those, then you're a dullard. Read the Hobbit, read the Lord of the Rings, get a love for middle earth and then go read the Silmarillion yes. and know that it's going to be very different. Uh, yeah. But just know that going into it. Right. You, and, and you'll, you'll be enriched. There's no doubt. So There's so many more that could be said, but yeah. Um, man, all of those books are so good. It's just the Silmarillion is unreal. <laughs> And I think, I think I, I think I sent you a message a couple of weeks back and I, uh, and I've spaced on getting back into it, but I, I just started it for the first time, like yes. to sit down and go through it about a, maybe about two weeks ago. Yes. And I had, and I had a few days where I, I'm getting back into it right now, but like, I, I just spaced out and started doing other stuff and I didn't get back, but I'm like back into it now. So this is like my first time going front to back, uh, through it. So you have um, these like these lines that he comes up with that's mm-hmm. just I mean they're just crazy. Uh you know there's like um the god of the universe says that anyone who tries to sow d- discord into his will 
will think himself successful, but will only prove in the end to be my instrument, uh, playing the music that I want. And, and the, like, he's a closet Calvinist, you know? And then yeah. there's like uh, springs of joy flow up from a deep pit in the earth of sorrow. You know, like just, so good. It, it just, just so good. So um, good. <laughs> but reading these good stories, they give you cognitive power. And that's what you want. You want cognitive power in the world. So as far as you can have it, you should, you should get it. And, and reading really good fiction is, I think, the best way to do it. Read Shakespeare, too. I didn't say anything, but obviously you should read Shakespeare. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome, dude. Uh, great list. Uh, we'll wrap it up there. I mean, we could, I mean, we could have done another two hours on the books oh, that I you know just it. listed. But, uh, <laughs> dude, thank you for making time today, man. I had a blast going over some of this stuff with you. And uh, why don't you do all the plugs for everybody so they can go follow the show? Oh, dang, you just uh, cut out. That's so... <laughs> Oh, am I back? Oh, wait a minute. Am I back? Yep. Yep. There we go. Uh, why don't you do all the plugs for the show and the, and the Patreon and all that stuff so people can go and follow you guys and, and do that. And I'll, and I'll tell everybody this, there's, uh, a million and a half podcasts that have Patreon accounts, right? Indeed. Honestly, you guys is the only one that I pay for. No like, way. I'm not even kidding. Oh, thank um, you. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, it, and it's awesome because you guys have the extra show uh, that you do every week and there's all all kinds of other stuff in there. But yeah, man, dude, I had a blast talking to you today. So put out all the stuff for everybody so they can follow along. Yeah. No. Hey, well, thank you for supporting the show. That is so kind. We're very, very grateful. Um, and thank you for thank you for making time for for me to come on. This has been such a blessing. I, I really am so grateful that we got to chat and kind of yeah, meet man. each other and, and uh, talk about all this stuff. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, plugs for the show, Haunted Cosmos. Um, we're on Twitter at Haunted Cosmos underscore. I think we're on Instagram. We never post, but you can follow us there if you want. <laughs> we. Uh, <laughs> We just finished season two. Uh, we, we normally drop main shows every other Wednesday, but that just ended for the next five or six weeks. And instead, we'll be dropping a, a sneak peek of our Patreon-exclusive weekly show, The Dusty Tome, every Wednesday for the next few weeks until season three begins. Um, and if you like those Dusty Tome episodes and you want to hear more of them, become a patron. Uh, we try to make sure that we give you the value that you pay for. Um, and, and we want to make sure we actually give you much more value than that. So we put a ton of work into Patreon. So yeah, if you like the Dusty Tome, there's like 45 other episodes that are just like it that are on our Patreon. You can go listen to them. We have some uh, Sunday school lectures in there about strange Bible stories. We have, I'm slowly plotting our way through uh, St. Saint, uh, Basil's uh, Hexameron, his homilies on creation. Very interesting. Nice. I'll do some more audio books. I've you know, I'll try to do the Fairy Queen at some point and put it on Patreon. Um, and then I think that's it. Do, you know, be on the lookout for the book when it ever drops. And if you're interested in how Brian and I talk to each other and think, then the book will be for you. So uh, and then uh, we do have a new Christendom Press, which is our parent company um, that, that we operate under. New Christendom Press has their second annual conference coming up in June, first weekend of June. And you can go to newchristenimpress.com and find the conference tab, get all the info about that. Brian and I will be doing a live main Haunted Cosmos show 
at the conference, nice. uh, which will be interesting. We'll see how that goes. <laughs> and, uh, and we'd love to see you there. So I, th- awesome. I think that covers everything. <laughs> Perfect. Well, dude, Ben, I really appreciate it, man. And uh, thank you for making time, man. Man, thank you.